Today's video is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Hey, brother! Luca is finally out, which means we have brand new Pixar content to try and better understand. So today, we are going to try and tackle the question of who is Alberto's father? We get very little information about Alberto's father, other than the fact that at some point in time, he did abandon Alberto, which is a detail that I think Alberto himself is still slowly coming to grips with. You live up here? Yeah, me and my dad. He's not even here a whole lot, so I pretty much just do whatever I want. But later, in one of the more depressing moments of the entire movie, we learned that it's not that he's not around often, he's just not around at all. That being said, though, there is one detail about the movie that I do think points us in the direction of his father's first name. Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. It is Alberto's, like, rally call whenever he needs, like, the extra confidence to do something that maybe he shouldn't. But when Luca asks where this particular name comes from, Alberto just kind of dodges the question entirely and explains that it's the voice inside of his head that tells him he can't do something. And that's about it. It's like the mantra for the rest of the movie, but they never discuss it ever again. Nonetheless, though, I don't think it's a particularly difficult leap to go to the idea that Bruno is the name of Alberto's father, and he was the one constantly telling Alberto the things he couldn't or shouldn't do. Possibly this was to maintain his safety, because let's face it, Alberto's relationship with gravity is lax at best. Gravity! Or it's possible that his father just wasn't exactly father of the year material. Either way, the thing that we definitely know is that his father ultimately abandons him. So it doesn't really matter what his intent was originally, that's 100% wrong. And I'm sure from Alberto's perspective, it definitely draws the question to mind of like, why do I need to trust this person who abandoned me? The end result is anything his dad ever said was wrong and therefore anything he said not to do is right. So Silencio Bruno indeed, I'm going to be riding this rickety Vespa down this long rock track into other rocks. And if you think I shouldn't do it, then maybe you should still be here. Wow, that really got dark fast. Guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor. Magic Spoon. Guys, I was a serial kid growing up 100% of the time, unless it was the first day of school, then we got to have waffles. But on the whole, I loved my cereal breakfast. I loved the fun little tidbits on the back of the box, the sweepstakes that I was curious if anybody ever actually won, and above all else, the cereal. Cowboy Punchies, the only cereal that's sugar-frosted and dipped in chocolate. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that having basically pure sugar for breakfast every morning is not the most healthy option. My metabolism isn't what it used to be. That was actually just me impersonating Jay. I feel like I look great. But Magic Spoon, on the other hand, actually delivers a cereal experience that is just as good and like shockingly healthy. A bowl of this contains zero grams of sugar, 13 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's also only 140 calories. On top of that, it is keto-friendly, grain-free, soy-free, wheat-free, naturally flavored, totally delicious, childlike cereal for grown-ups. It's what it says on the box, but I would have said the same thing. If you'd like to check it out, and I highly recommend you do, you can click the link in the description down below and use the promo code SUPERCARLIN at checkout for $5 off your order. Or just head to magicspoon.com supercarlin. Magic Spoon is so confident that you're going to love their product. They give you a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Again, you can click the link in the description down below and use promo code SUPERCARLIN for $5 off your order or head on over to magicspoon.com slash supercarlin. Again, link down below. Darn tasty. 
Over in Carsu, there is a character by the name of Bruno Moturo. And while he only has this small role as the crew chief for Raul Carul, and again, in Cars 2, I do still think he could be incredibly relevant to answering today's question. And right off, I do hear you. Like, so what? They're both named Bruno, but like, what do Cars have to do with Luca? Well, not for nothing, but Alberto and Luca literally start their friendship by building vehicles and then immediately entering a race. And one of the few details that we do in fact know about Bruno is that he comes from a long line of rally race car drivers. But really to start getting into the meat of this theory, I think we need to revisit how we interpret interpret cars existing in the Pixar theory. Here's the refresher. Basically, the cars that exist in the Cars movies take on the personality of the former drivers of those cars. And they are powered by the same thing that powers everything in the Pixar universe, human memory. And a good example of how the real Lightning McQueen existed during the time of the humans is that the truck driver from Finding Dory actually has a Lightning McQueen band-aid. And I'll be the first to admit that it's kind of an incredibly important band-aid. But it is in fact proof that the human version of Lightning McQueen did exist during the time of the humans during the Pixar timeline. This is also why in the time of the cars, technology seems to progress in a similar timeline to how it did during the human time. Because the cars themselves wake up in a similar fashion to when they were invented. This is why Doc Hudson being an older vehicle kind of is the forerunner to Lightning McQueen. And fast forward a few years with Lightning McQueen and all of a sudden on the scene is Jackson Storm and all of the other electronic vehicles. But from there, we're just gonna continue on. Assuming that you agree with me on this particular point, if you wanna check out the complete video about how Cars 3 fits in the Pixar theory, you can do so right over here. But to get back on track, Okay. Our argument is that the Bruno car from Cars 2 is the car recreation of Alberto's actual father, Bruno. And again, we don't know an enormous amount about Bruno from Cars 2 because he's just not one of the main characters. But when the movie was released, there was also a book that came out with it called Meet the Cars, where we do get more details about the character. So what we currently do know about Bruno are the following. One, he is French. Two, a softie and plays the accordion. Three, likes romantic drives along the River Seine. Four, his favorite movie is The Engine of Dr. Morturo. Five, he comes from a long line of rally racers. So examining some of these characteristics, he likes romantic drives along the River Seine and likes playing the accordion. He kind of sounds like quite the charmer. Maybe someone who could be good with the ladies, so to speak, but also not willing to settle down somewhere. Kind of a hopeless romantic, if you will. And now I'm gonna take a few leaps here, but I really do think we can back all of this up with information that we know from Luca. First, you may immediately be thinking that, uh, Ben, this character is French and Luca is very much and very intentionally an Italian movie. That is a theory killer, but no. Geography lesson for you, France is located immediately next to Italy. So I'm not really that fussed with the difference in heritage. So we have Bruno, who I believe through circumstances, finds himself the single father of his sea monster son, Alberto. But wait, you must be asking, you mean to say that his father wasn't a sea monster at all? Correct. And I actually think this is a fairly critical piece of the theory because again, when we go back to when Luca first meets Alberto, he is living in this island on land. Me and my dad. He's not even here a whole lot, so I pretty much just do whatever I want. This white lie hides the fact that not very often actually means he left and has never come back. But I also think that for this lie to have been created to begin with, it is absolutely the case that his father once lived there. Or else, why is this land-based home, specifically where he has been counting tally marks on the wall, waiting on his father's return? Especially when keeping in mind that it would be much more likely for a sea monster to live 
like, you know, in the sea. But also worth mentioning that while they do live on land, they specifically do not live in town, which is just not that far away. To me, this sounds like the solution of a man who himself cannot live underwater, but needs to stay far enough away so that his son isn't found out especially when you consider this statue is in the center of that town. And I'm sure at this point, what you must be wondering is, well, if his dad isn't the sea monster, then his mom must have been, right? And if that's the case, then there kind of is the question of, then how did his dad meet his mom to begin with? I'm so glad you asked. Remember how earlier we said that Bruno really enjoyed romantic drives along the Seine? Well, the Seine is a river in France. It's a really big river, goes right through Paris. But do you know what else Seine means? Because I personally think this is an incredibly clever clue. A Seine is, wait for it, a fishing net which hangs vertically in the water, which floats at the top and waits at the bottom edge, the ends being drawn together to encircle the fish. This is literally, literally the exact thing that catches Alberto during the opening sequence of this movie. And maybe you know where I'm going with this, but my conclusion is that Bruno quite literally caught her. Plenty of fish in the sea, am I right? I'm gonna give myself self five for that one. It's pretty good. And think about it, once she's above water, it just looks like he accidentally caught a woman in his net. Oh my God, I'm so sorry, let me help you. No, no, it's fine, it's my fault. Wow, do you play the accordion? Need I say more? I don't, but I will, because it gets even better when we take into consideration the other details that we know about Bruno from Cars. One of the other details that we are specifically given about this character is that his favorite movie is the engine of Dr. Moturo. Now, this is certainly the car-ified version of this particular story, but during the reign of humans, the actual name of the story is the island of Dr. Moro. Island as in island, but don't worry, that's not actually the connective tissue here. The Island of Dr. Moro was a, well, not so great 1996 movie. Oh, oh no, oh my. But it is based on a story written by H.G. Wells a century earlier in 1896, which tells the story of Edward Prendick, who is a shipwrecked man rescued by a passing boat. He is left on the island home of Dr. Moro, a mad scientist who creates human-like hybrid beings from animals via vivisection. <laughs> Human-like hybrid beings on an island? You mean like sea monsters that can biologically shift their actual physical appearance upon exiting the water? I mean, like the description of this character is just consistently giving us clues that all point in the exact direction that he is in fact Alberto's father. And did I mention his name? is Bruno, and his favorite movie is this incredibly obscure selection about living on an island with hybrid human-like characters. He is absolutely a romantic, and when you consider the double meaning of the word sane and the fact that they literally live just like a boat ride away from a fishing town, and the sane net is literally what catches Alberto in the beginning of the movie, Alberto takes after his mother and is a sea monster, but takes after his father by way of enjoyment of racing and living on land. Specifically on land, very close to civilization, but far enough away to go unnoticed. Which leads us to the great big question, what happened to his parents? Where did they go? Where is his mother? Why did his dad leave? And here is where I think things get kind of sad. Porto Rosso has the wrong idea about sea monsters, thinking of them as dangerous, but they're not wrong in the fact that they do exist. So pair that fear with the fact that Alberto's mother is someone who has now grown to trust humans more and might venture closer to land. And with that, I think there is a very strong possibility that she was spotted and hunted 
by the locals. After all, again, going back to that fountain in the center of town, it shows a man slaying one of these sea monsters. And it is only his father that Alberto wonders about coming back, which makes me think that his mother's leaving is more permanent. And I think this leaves Alberto's father heartbroken and to eventually leave altogether, to apparently go and coach the real human version of Raul Carul. So to put it all together, we have a hopeless romantic named Bruno who is living on an island, who captures Alberto's mother and falls in love with her. They have Alberto who takes after his mother, but lives on land like his father. His mother is eventually killed by the local townspeople, which ultimately breaks his father's heart and drives him away. So that leaves us with a small boy living on an island by himself, fascinated with human artifacts, counting down the days until his father may return, and hiding the trauma of the loss of his father with his mantra, Silencio Bruno. Guys, for my question of the day, what do you think? I know this theory takes some weird dips and dives, but the specific things that we know about this character, Bruno from Cars 2, just feel too odd and fitting to this particular situation. Let me know all of your thoughts in the towel section down below. But guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Pixar theory action from us. If you'd like to check out our entire spoiler Luca review, you can do so by clicking it right over here. But otherwise, until next time, Bye.